Happy Thanksgiving week, everyone. As we start to approach the end of the year, I want to continue with bringing you episodes all about health, wellness, and mindset. It's really a passion of mine, and I think for moms, it's something that we always need to be consistently working on. I think it's really important that as we look forward to 2021 and making our intentions, I don't like to say New Year's resolutions, I like to think of them as more intentions for the year, I want to reflect upon areas of our life that went well and the places that we want to improve or work on. And I know for me, something that I really like to look at is this whole wellness aspect. Last week on the podcast, I featured Nagina, who shared ways to infuse spices into your diet in order to help lose that baby weight and fluff. And today we're going to dive deeper into self-care and the Whole30 with Emily Nichols. A little insight into my past. Back in 2012, I dove really deep into health and fitness. I was in a relationship with my now husband, but we were not married or engaged yet. I didn't have kids and I was running a thriving luxury wedding planning and event production company. However, it was also the time that dessert tables and cupcakes were like the thing in the wedding industry, and I ended up getting a cupcake addiction. Okay, so maybe it wasn't a cupcake addiction, but it was a sugar addiction. I was never really one of those people growing up who had a lot of sugar in their life. My mom was a cardiac rehab nurse and worked with people who had heart surgery and worked with them on their diet and nutrition. So our house was the house that had oat bran O's, wheat bread, and like no calorie mayo or turkey or whatever that was. Everything basically tasted like cardboard. And I really wished I had an Oreo once or twice, but that just didn't happen in our house. So as time went on, anytime sugar would appear in my life, it would be like this exciting thing. And so I think once I started eating more desserts at events during my wedding planning days, I just got this addiction to sugar and I couldn't stop. However, on the flip side, my now husband at the time was obsessed with Tim Ferriss's for our body and on this whole like no carb diet, bulletproof, whatever, and CrossFit. And he was super fit and in shape and healthy. And as a result, I started to get really into this new concept that is now called paleo. And in 2012, I launched a blog called Cupcakes to CrossFit, which was all about going from wedding planning cupcake Stephanie to my husband who was really into CrossFit. And so I talked all about paleo at the time, the whole nine since whole 30 is kind of a new thing and fitness. And it was just a fun way and outlet for me to be able to embody that wellness side of me. And then time passed and that slowly went the wayside. But being involved in that wild, wild west of paleo and CrossFit opened me up to looking into health, nutrition, and fitness. I've always suffered from gut issues, from acid reflux to leaky gut, and so I decided to explore ways to combat that while also documenting my journey and favorite recipes on this blog. Unfortunately, that blog no longer exists. However, my passion for learning about health and wellness has not gone away, especially now that I'm a mom. And so I'm excited to share this episode today with Emily Nichols. Emily is a wellness professional, Whole30 certified coach, fitness instructor, and host of the Self-Care Isn't Selfish podcast. Through her own transformation, Emily discovered the power of a simple and sustainable self-care routine, and now she works with clients on helping them transform their own wellness. Emily is on a mission to help you put your oxygen mask on first and stop merely surviving and start thriving. In this episode, we dive into her journey through making these lifestyle shifts in her own life, her relationship, and her family, what worked and what didn't, and the impact that it's made overall on her mental and physical life, family, and all the things. 
We talk about everything from Whole30 to taking cold showers every day and how Emily has used her coaching and podcast to empower women to put themselves first. As we all head into 2021 after this crazy year, I think this episode is a great reminder to us moms that taking care of yourself is an extremely important component of motherhood. So enjoy. Welcome to Mommy's on a Call, your sacred space to laugh, learn, and feel like a real grown-up human for a hot minute. I'm Stephanie Uchima Carney, a mom of three under six, serial entrepreneur, business strategist, and donut connoisseur, just trying to get through the day one cold cup of coffee at a time. I believe that with more intention, a positive mindset, and self-care, it is possible to thrive in motherhood, business, and life. My mission is to uncover the daily rituals, life lessons, real-life tactics, and favorite tools to inspire and empower you, mommy, to get the most out of life every single unpredictable day. So grab your headphones, tell your kids you're on the potty, and tune in weekly for some laughs, knowledge bombs, and plenty of real talk with real moms, and maybe a dad or two. Welcome to the Mommy Pod. I'm super excited today to be talking to Emily Nichols, and she couldn't have come at a better time because moms right now are super overwhelmed, burned out. We've been in pandemic, quarantine, distance learning, you name it, for so long that we're at this heightened level of stress right now that I feel like her podcast, Self-Care Isn't Selfish, is the perfect name and the perfect topic to talk about today. So welcome, Emily. Thanks so much for having me, Stephanie. I'm excited to have this conversation. Can you tell me your mom win of the week? Oh, my mom win of the week. Okay. Gosh, that shouldn't be so hard to think about. I know. It could be a gratitude thing that you're grateful for, but like, what is a mom win? What did you just rock life at this week? Yeah. So, okay. So my kids, I have a 12-year-old and 8-year-old boys. And my eight-year-old school just really isn't his favorite. And actually the quarantine kind of did him good because he went back to school and he's just been rocking it. But one thing he struggles with a lot is his spelling words. So we've been working really, really hard on his spelling words and he's been getting just amazing grades on his spelling tests. And just to see him come home and be so proud of himself because of the things that we were doing together to work on it together and making it fun and figuring out what worked for him. Even if he missed like a few, like we just made such a big deal about it. And just to see how proud he was and to figure out something that worked for him, it made my mama heart just like want to expand even more. I just love it. That's a good win. And also I like how you said coming home, which means your kids are actually in school, which I'm sure a lot of moms out there are a little jealous of. Yeah. Yeah. So we had the option of online or in person and, you know, our family's pretty healthy. So we decided to send them in person and it's been really great for them and for me. (laughs) Yes, exactly. You get some work in. No, that's great. So give me a little bit of background. I know you said you have two boys. What's your family structure like and what's your family like? Sure. Well, my husband, Dustin and I, we've been married 16 years now. We were actually high school sweethearts. We've kind of grown up together. Yesterday was actually his 40th birthday. And we were just like, that's so weird. How are we this old? I'm like, well, I'm not that old yet, but how are you this old? (laughs) That's so cute. High school sweethearts. Yeah. Yeah. So we've really grown up together. We've been together since we were like 15 years old. So we've really grown up together. And like I said, we have two boys, Dylan and Tyler, they're 12 and eight. So full-blown boy mom. 
we're busy, busy outdoors family. We love to do anything where it's hiking or just walking on a local trail here, biking. And we're a pretty active family. We didn't used to be about five years ago, but we really are now. And so you usually find us outside or playing with either of our two labs. We're obsessed with our dogs, of course. And, you know, my husband works in the agricultural field and I work as a mental health professional and wellness entrepreneur. And I've been doing the podcast for just over a year now, just because I felt called to do it for a whole year before I decided to do it. And it's just been the biggest blessing in my life. So let's step back. You said five years ago, though, you weren't very active. What was the switch there? And especially since you are now in this fitness, health, wellness mindset world, what was the switch? Were you always like this? Were you always into health and fitness? Were you like that before your kids? What was your past life like? None of that. (laughs) None of that. So like I said, five years ago, we had really come to a point as a family where we weren't healthy mentally or physically. So my husband was working at the time, various shifts in his work. He would work nights. He would work second shift. He would work during the day. And this is over about a year and a half time. During that time, his sleep suffered tremendously. No matter what he did or what hours he was working, his sleep was never consistent. And if you've ever been a person that hasn't gotten really great sleep over time, it really takes a toll on you physically and mentally. So my husband grew up as a runner, always ran. And during this time, he gained quite a bit of weight, wasn't able to run because it hurt to run now. And he was always exhausted. And I felt like we were always walking on pins and needles. Cause they're like, we don't want to upset dad. He's really tired or he's really trying to take a nap. And my boys were really little at the time. And during that time, I was just climbing the corporate ladder, trying to be the best mom as possible, you know, have dinner on the table, whether my husband was home from work or not. And I was failing most of the time in my mind, I was failing most of the time. And I dealt with the overwhelm and stress and trying to be the glue holding our family together, which I feel like a lot of moms are a lot of times in our lives. I dealt with the overwhelm and stress by binging on food or alcohol or shopping. And that's a whole different story. (laughs) I have that shopping problem too. And especially since everything is online now, it's terrible. So I mean, oh my gosh. Yeah. Like I said, that could be a whole other episode. (laughs) So during that time, it was kind of really a a fork in the road for our family where it was like, we're just tired of feeling this way. We're not showing up the best for each other as partners or for our kids. And we had heard about something called Whole30 through some family members who had done it. And so we looked it up online and we're like, that is crazy. It's so hardcore. Like who in the world would do such a thing? (laughs) I know the no sugar thing. I've done three whole thirties. Now I'm actually in the middle of a pseudo whole 30, but I'm breastfeeding still. So I, I, but yeah, it's, it's tough. tough, But we decided to do it together. I can't tell you how many times I started something on a Monday and by like Friday, I was like, I'm done. So, but I was like, we had accountability in each other. And for him, he was like, I just want to feel like myself again. I was like, okay, babe, we're going to do this together. So we went through a whole 30 and on day 31, we were like, 
Oh my gosh, we are on fire. I feel so amazing. I mean, the weight loss that happened was great, but what people I think couldn't see right away was just the mindset shift that had happened. It's like, wow, when I'm overwhelmed or stressed now, I can turn to like a hot, a hot cup of tea or go outside for a walk or just go fold laundry for five minutes or clean up and tidy up something. And the shifts that happened in our minds was just amazing. And so over time, you know, my husband went on to lose 50 pounds, wow. which we didn't realize he had 50 pounds to lose. Like Stephanie, like even his head looked smaller. Like I was like, even your head like bigger. And he's like, oh, I know it was just, it was inflammation is what, what, what it yeah. was. And now he's a marathon runner. He qualified for the Boston Marathon. He's in the best shape of his life physically, but more so mentally. And our relationship is even stronger because of How did it affect your relationship, that shift? Like I said, I had never been one to start something and stick with it when it came to my health and fitness. I would go work out here and there. By the end of the week, I'd be done. Or I'd be like, oh, I'm going to start this diet. And for me, a whole 30 was a way of thinking about my lifestyle, how I want to eat to feel my best and finding food freedom and losing the guilt and shame. If I did want to have cookies, I wouldn't eat like a whole package of cookies. Now I would have just a few and feel great and enjoy it and not have the guilt or shame or have a margarita or have a glass of wine, not have like three glasses of wine or three margaritas because the way I would feel afterwards. But our relationship, just going through something that we thought was so hard together. We had been through hard, hard things together, but food is so emotional and the physical changes we were feeling and how he was getting so much clarity and the fog was lifting from his year and a half of not sleeping well. It just brought us together even more. And like I said, we're a very active family now and we do things together more so now that I don't think we would have been doing five years ago, because we would have had the mental or physical capacity to do so. What do you think clicked in your head to keep you going in a whole 30? Because I know there comes a point, I think it's, you know, they have the phases and the waves of it. And then like, once you hit tiger blood stage, you're like, yes, let's do it. But a lot of people quit beforehand. And you said, you know, you start something on a Monday, quit on a Friday. What about in that moment, whether it was whole 30 or whatever it is that pushed you forward? And how did you make that happen? Two things. Like I said, I viewed it more as a lifestyle, not so much as 30 days I'm done. And I go back to the way I was treating my body before. And second, it was the accountability, doing it with my husband, having an accountability partner. And whether that would be, you know, through a spouse, a friend, the online community, a coach, it was a game changer for me. I mean, he's very black and white when it comes to rules and stuff. And I'm kind of like, oh, well, you know, it's a goosey, whatever. So him being there as my teammate for that, that was the biggest game changer more so than any. I think also is when you change something in your house and it's not just you, like your husband and you were doing it. So you made a family decision. I find that sometimes when one spouse decides like, I'm going to do this, it's really hard because then the rest of the family might not be on board. And so then you just fall off because your husband's there eating a donut and you're like, I kind of want that. So I think that's really helpful that you got your husband on board. What about your kids? Like, how did you get them to be more active? Did you change their diet too? No. What we did was whatever we had made for dinner, they just ate it too. And if they were like, mom, I really don't like zoodles. I'm like, okay, well, I'll just make you gluten-free spaghetti instead. 
and would just add a different side for them or, but they always had to try things and they're so funny now. Like they would be like, Oh mom, I don't think that's whole 30 approved. And they make better choices. And something really interesting that happened over time was my boys had found like this old box of red jello in our pantry. And my oldest Dylan was like, okay, Tyler, we're going to make this jello. So he made this big bowl of red jello and my oldest is notorious for doing this. He likes to like cook and bake and then he won't like eat anything. He's not a big sweets person, but my eight-year-old is all about the sweets. So he ate like most of the jello, my youngest did. And he was just like so hyper and upped. And he was just like, mom, I, I, I we're like, you need to calm down. And he was just like, I don't know what's wrong. I just can't calm down. And it was not only the sugar, but the red dye in it really adversely affected him. And the next day it was almost like he was hung over. He was just like lethargic. I remember we were going to go to the park to play and he was just like, I can't get off the couch. I'm so just tired. And we got the thing. It was like, oh, it was the red dye. And since then he's like, even like at Halloween, he picks out candy if he, if it's red, cause he's like, I know that doesn't make me feel good. And I choose not to eat that anymore. Eight years old. Like that's, that's so incredible. See, that's like a great natural consequence of trying something. Yeah. And adults don't think that way. And that's what, essentially what happened with the whole 30. I kind of learned what agreed with me, what didn't, what was maybe triggering to me because food is very emotional. And I chose when to have it and when not to have it because it either makes me feel great or maybe not so great or doesn't agree with me or it does. And he figured that out like that. And like for now, he's just like, I just don't want to eat that because it doesn't, it does not make me feel good. So we still eat like a normal family. We still have sweets. Like I said, yesterday was my husband's birthday. I got like a Betty Crocker cake mix and made him a chocolate cake because that's what he wanted. And we enjoyed it and that's fine. And I feel like we're setting the standard for our kids not to diet, but just find their own version of food freedom and enjoy food for what it is. It's just food. Exactly. And I always call it like everything in moderation. It's fine. You don't need to do some crazy hardcore diet for the, your entire life, but just, you know, moderate afterwards. But sometimes you need that like reset button and that yeah. like detox period and then going on. So moving on to the business side of you, Emily, you have a podcast, you have group programs, you have all sorts of different things as a mental health coach. So talk to me about how you transitioned from being in corporate to being an entrepreneur and how you balance that into your life. Sure. So starting with Whole30 back in 2015, it had a snowball effect, like I like to say. So from there, I started moving my body more. I was like, I want to, you know, I want to go for some walks. I'm going to start running. I don't even like running, but I did it to meet other people who were positive mindset, wellness, and they like to, you know, move their bodies. And then I started filling my mind with personal development, like podcasts and books and making sure I was doing my devotional every day and focusing on gratitude. And from there, I was like, I think I'm going to be, become a Whole30 certified coach because so many people are like, oh, Emily, you guys just seem so much happier now and we can see the changes. So I became a Whole30 certified coach and then I loved moving my body so much. I'm like, I'm going to become a group fitness instructor because I, I, I've just always wanted to help people. I think women is, were nurturers by nature in a way. And this was a way for me to help other people. And as I was doing all of these things in my life, it was like I formed my own self-care routine. 
And over time, it was like, why, why aren't more women taking time for themselves? And as I was talking to girlfriends and other acquaintances, they're like, well, I just feel so bad. I don't, I, you know, I just don't want, you know, I don't want to take an hour out of my day and have my husband watch the kids so I could go do this. And I'm like, well, why not? But like I always say, it's like putting your oxygen mask on first. You're able to now breathe and help your kids more and be a better spouse to your partner. And I just kept hearing this phrase in my head and saying it out loud to people, you know, self-care isn't selfish. Find some time to take some time for you. And I just kept feeling like, like I said, for a whole year, I should start a podcast because I just keep talking to people about this. So I waited a year because I kept feeling like God called me to do it. But I was like, I don't know how to do a podcast. And then I did it. And it's been like the biggest blessing in my life. And so pretty much what I do as a wellness entrepreneur is just really spread the message that self-care isn't selfish and help women create their own simple and sustainable self-care routine through various tiers, like physical, like their sleep, nutrition, moving their body, but also emotional and mental and even spiritual as well, because I see self-care as more as holistic and coaching people to get there. Cause like I said, when I did whole 30, having that accountability is what one of the bigger reasons why I was able to succeed at that, but being able to have some accountability and help women to figure out how to do this in a simple way and do it consistently is a game changer and a life changer, not only them for them, but for their families as well. Talk a little bit about what you think self-care is, because I know there's a lot of stigma, like self-care isn't just walking the aisles of Target or doing errands. Self-care isn't just taking a bubble bath. So what do you think is the definition of self-care? You know, self-care is such a buzzword right now. And you're right. People do see self-care. You, know, you see people like hashtag self-care Sunday and they're doing bubble baths and getting pedicures and massages. And there is nothing wrong with that. I am down for any of that. But self-care is actually really hard. It's actually doing things for your own mental and physical wellness. And it's hard to consistently do that. And especially if you're a working mom or any, or any, or even a stay at home mom for that matter too. So for me, self-care is making yourself a priority. Like I said earlier, putting your oxygen mask on first and taking a holistic view of your health. So starting with physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and over time curating things in your life, small, tiny habits throughout your day to help you feel your best. So the biggest tier for me is movement and physical moving my body because there's, there's a snowball effect with that as well. It helps give me mental clarity. It helps me feel strong and confident. And I take that into helping my clients and my work day. And also sometimes it's a spiritual experience. Sometimes I feel God talking to me or I have ideas come to mind and this didn't happen overnight. Like I said, my journey began in 2015 and it's been a journey to figure out what self-care is. And over the past six months with COVID, I've had to change what my self-care routine looks like as well. I would get up and move my body. And then I was like, oh, my kids are here. I don't have to get up as early. And then my workout would move later and later and later throughout the day until eventually I didn't do it. My gratitude, it was sometimes there, sometimes not. Journaling, my gratitude was there. And sometimes it wasn't because my schedule was changed. And over time, I just had to learn to give myself grace and forgive myself and continue figuring out what works to me and changing what my self-care routine looks like. But 
like I said, it's a way for me to find not necessarily balance, but harmony in my life. I like to use that word instead because it's kind of like a choir singing or like a band. If someone's off tune, you can twitch it, make it change, make it work, correct it to make it work, to make everything in harmony. And sometimes it's out of tune and you got to tune it up. What does the first 20 minutes of your day look like? And it's changed since COVID. I am getting up a little later, which is actually a little nicer because I was getting up at 4.30. Now I'm getting up at 5.30. Okay, we're going to have to talk about how to get up at 4.30 in the morning as a mom, but we'll get back to that after this. It's hard. It's hard. So my first 20 minutes, I start with just a woman's devotional, just a quick daily devotional. And then I get in a cold shower for three to four minutes. It was an experiment I did over COVID for the whole month of July. I was like, I'm going to take a cold shower every day. Cause I kept hearing about it. I heard about it on other podcasts. I was seeing posts. I feel like when you keep seeing something over and over, it's like, okay, I should probably look into this. And so I take a cold shower every morning. I, I do a different song that I just listened to this whole song for during my cold shower. And then I let my dogs out and then I do my workout, which either would be here at home, my own workout, or I would go to Orange Theory or go meet some girlfriends to run. And then I come home, I make my coffee, I take my supplements, and then I get my kids ready for school. Does your husband get your kids up in the morning then? So what time then do you actually wake up in order to get all of this done? Because this definitely seems like more than 20 minutes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. 530, 30. Within the first 20 minutes, though, I've done my cold shower. I've done my letting my dogs out. I'll usually do some form of journaling or meditation as well. And then I start my workout from there. Do you find that the cold showers have worked? I know they're supposed to like something like burn fat better and just like get you up. I've heard it on multiple podcasts, especially I love listening to Tim Ferriss. And he always talks about like either ice baths or cold showers. What effect has it had on you? Uh, It's been amazing. And I would never would have thought of taking a cold shower because I love a good hot shower. But I do it first thing in the morning. And what it has done is given it wakes me up, obviously, but it it energizes me. I have so much more energy throughout the day, you know, not only from my workout, but getting that cold shower, like my day is ready to start. And trust me, when I turn it on and I turn on the song I'm going to listen to, I stand there for a minute and I'm like, do I really want (laughs) And you know, there is some science base to say it can help burn fat, but that's not the reason I'm doing it. I'm doing it for the mental clarity. I, I wake up and I just feel so much more energetic throughout the day. And like I said, I did it through the whole month of July. Like I put it out on my show. I was like, Hey, here's my accountability. Y'all I'm doing this over 30 days. And I did it. And it was all, it was just a small, tiny little habit that I cued myself up for. You know, I picked out my song the night before that I was going to listen to and had it ready to go on Spotify. I had my towel laid out. So I would see that cue to get in the shower. It's been pretty amazing. So 5.30, 4.30 before, how do you wake up that early? I'm just curious because I am not a morning person and my husband really wants me to get up earlier and I do too now. And so I'm curious, how do you do that? 10 years ago, if you would have said I was getting up at 4.30 or 5.30, I would thought you were crazy and just laugh because I was like, I'm a night owl. I like staying up late. I mean, I, I can, I'm a good sleeper. Like I sleep deep and I can sleep a long time. But as my kids got older, and this doesn't go for people that have itty bitty babies because I have three kids under the age of five and under. So I'm trying, but whew. 
you know, if you're able to get to bed earlier, that does help even if it's just a half an hour earlier and then get up a half an hour earlier in the morning. For me, it really started with, this is the only time I can work out because if I didn't do it first thing in the morning, more than likely it wouldn't happen. And at first it was almost a guilt thing. Cause I was like, well, if I leave for like an hour to go work out in the evening, you know, I got to make sure my husband's home and he's gotten his workout in and he likes to work out in the evening. So I'm like, okay, it's a nice trade-off because I do it first thing in the morning. And I also had started off teaching group fitness first thing early in the morning. So I was like, well, I got people waiting on me. I have to get up early to go do this. So it takes time. And a lot of times I'll meet with clients. And I'm like, well, what is your morning routine? They're like, I ain't got no morning routine. I get up and go to work or hit snooze. And it's just about making small little tweaks over time. And some people just aren't morning people and that's okay. You know, your maybe your routines more trickle throughout the day and in the evenings and that's okay. But, you know, just small little increments of, you know, going to bed earlier, going, getting up just a little bit earlier over time can work, but with real little babies, give yourself some grace and give yourself some time sleep. <laughs> yeah. Sleep is what I need, but I think I'm finally getting that. So We shall see. I feel like I'm like uh, between six and seven hours, which I think is good. But still, I feel like you always have that mom sense on where you're like, you wake up to every little noise. We still monitors in our room. So it's a little distracting. So moms right now are burnt out, overwhelmed, and they really need to start focusing on self-care. How do you even start that process? I mean, I know you, you can't force it on someone. How do you approach someone who is thinking, that sounds all great. I hear this buzzword, but I don't have the time. Like I'm exhausted. All the excuses in the world, like I can't do that. And I know you say self-care isn't selfish, but where do you start for the moms out there who are like, this is great, but dot, dot, dot. Yeah. So the first two tips, the biggest tips I would have, the biggest challenge I hear from my clients is I don't have time. So the first thing I would suggest doing is taking a look at your schedule, either if you have a Google calendar, or if you have like a written calendar or a family calendar and see where your pockets of time are, where you could take 10 minutes to yourself. The second tip is to start small and very, very simple. Like I said, I have this big routine in the morning and it's taken five years to really figure out what works for me. And I'm getting up really early to do it because I kind of feel like that time before my kids get up is precious time for me. But it could be something as simple as I'm going to get up 10 minutes before I know my kids are going to get up and just make some coffee and have a hot cup of coffee and read a page out of a book and try to do that every day actually write that you're going to do that on your calendar, put it in your Google calendar, make it what your alarm title is, get up and read and drink my coffee, just as those simple little cues. And it could even be in the middle of the day, like, hey, I know my kids nap around this time for this half an hour, I'm going to get on YouTube and find a fun workout I can do on my own. That's not going to wake up my kids and I don't have to go anywhere and actually write it down, schedule it in your calendar. There's really a lot of power in putting things on your calendar and having it be more concrete versus like, I should really do this, or I would like to do this. If you just start out really simple and small and actually write it down or put it in your Google calendar or do both or send a smoke signal, whatever you got to (laughs) do to give those cues to yourself to go. Over time, you'll start building up more and more of these tiny habits 
where you don't even have to think about it anymore. You're just going to automatically do it and become second nature to you, just like brushing your teeth. I think that's a good tip is consistency. I think that's where we all fail is we try and do something for five days and we're like, eh, or we don't see immediate results. So you made a good point. You said you've been working on your morning routine for five years. Where did that morning routine start five years ago? What did you start with? And because I think a lot of women are where you were maybe five years ago in the journey. Where did you start? Stephanie, it's personal to each person. For me, I really started with um, my devotional every morning because for me, just taking a moment not to be on social media to kind of connect with God, get my mind right for the day was a really great place to start. And like I said, I was starting to teach group fitness and I had to be up early to teach but then I would come home. And if I didn't have to rush off to work, then I would do my own workout because when I teach, that's not my workout, that's their workout. And then, like I said, I was like, man, that feels so good. Now I'm going to do this. Now I'm going to do that. And it slowly just happened over time. But I think something we're kind of missing is focusing on that mindset and some type of mental or emotional, spiritual connection first thing to get you going in the morning. Cause it is very jarring in the morning. If an alarm or a child is waking you up and you immediately go, go, go for them. And if you're able just to take those five or 10 minutes to get your mind right, it's going to really have a trickle effect throughout the day for you. Okay. So you said the biggest tip already. And then what would be your second tip? Move your body, move your body. Like I said, I feel like that has, that's the biggest tier of self-care for me because it has so many different effects throughout your mental and emotional and physical health. So it could be as something as simple as walking on a treadmill, doing a free YouTube class, actually going and meeting someone to do something. Like I said, I run with a group of girlfriends and I don't even like running. I just like running and having their company (laughs) more so than anything. Um, That would definitely be my second one. Are there any like apps or books or things that you would suggest to people? Yes. So this new app I've been using, I recommend it to all my clients is called think up and what it is. It is like a positive affirmation app. And throughout the day, it will pop up like a notification on your phone, some type of positive affirmation. Now, what's really great about it is you can customize the affirmations. So you could be like, you know, if you're like, I want to have an affirmation that says I am strong you know, just something really basic. You could customize it and it would come up as a notification on your phone. You could take a couple minutes to repeat it to yourself as like a little mantra, pray over it. And it's just amazing. I mean, if you're able to use technology to make it work for you like that, might as well make it mentally strong for you. Oh, I like that. I'm going to have to download that. You said think up, up and it's free. There's a paid version of it that does a few other bells and whistles, but I just use the free version. Awesome. So let's transition into a little bit about your business and what you're doing right now and how you fit that in with your mommy life. How do you structure your weeks? Now that the kids are back in school, it's a little easier. And I know a lot of women, they're working with, you know, a hybrid schedule or their kids are at home virtual learning. So definitely scheduling those out again on your calendar is really important. But for me, you know, I do my self-care first thing in the morning. I help my kids get ready for school. And then I just get going throughout the day as far as what is a priority. I love the book, Eat That Frog. There's actually like a boutique fitness chain called Eat That Frog now, which is really interesting. Oh, wow. have you, I didn't. Have you heard of the no, book? No, I haven't. What's okay. the book all about? <laughs> okay. 
it's a, it's a really interesting analogy. So eating a frog sounds like something you would never want to do. But when you're looking at your priorities, your list for the day of most important things, you kind of look at the thing maybe you don't want to do the most and you eat that frog. You get that frog out of the way, the thing you don't want to be do, whether it be like your taxes or like a hard conversation or like a really long email to someone, you get that out of the way. And what it does is give you momentum throughout the day. Cause if you ever started like getting some tasks done, checking them off your to-do list, you get so much momentum and it feels so good to get all those things done. So I make my list of priorities and I eat that frog first thing in the morning to get that thing done. And like I said, it gives me momentum throughout the day. And I'm always planning out who's coming up on the show for next week. I have a free Facebook group where I do like a mini workshop every Thursday around whatever theme it was for the show that week, just to give some more tangible items to my community and some action items as well. Cause there's a lot of times I'll listen to a podcast and I'm like, well, what do I do now? And so I want to be able to provide some type of action plan for everybody. So it's a lot of planning, but it's always scheduled out and thinking of what is the priority and also, you know, scheduling what my kids activities are. You know, I have a kiddo that's a runner and one that's a golfer and there's other various activities coming up and you have to schedule those in as well. So being really good at communicating with your spouse as well is what you need and where he needs to be when is really important too. How many hours do you think you actually get in a week to focus on your business? Oh, that's a good question. I would say about 20 hours or so a week. And do you, now that your kids are older, you don't necessarily need childcare, but when they were younger or when you were starting off this business, did you start it off while you were still in your corporate or did you kind of leave corporate and then go start your entrepreneurial journey? Yeah, I was still working at the time. So it was a lot of like little pockets of time. I've always worked from home, which has allowed a lot more flexibility versus having to go into an office. Another reason I get up really early is because sometimes that's when I'm crafting a newsletter or editing a podcast real quick or in the evenings, you know, I'm, I've gotten a lot better at turning it off and making sure that I'm having family time in the evenings and putting the phone away. And just, you know, after my kids go to bed, it's just my husband and, and ours time together too. So our noses aren't stuck scrolling through a phone all evening. I love that. Well, to wrap it up, what is your mom's superpower that makes you a better mom in business? So what superpower did you acquire when you became a mom that makes you a better entrepreneur? What superpower? Okay. I would say organization. And my husband would probably laugh because he looks at my office and he's like, girl, what are you doing? But everything's organized in my head and in my Google calendar. And I've always been that way. Like I've said, a lot of times scheduling is really big for me and writing things down and having it either on an electronic calendar, more than likely it's going to happen versus if it's just in my head. So I had always been good at that as a business, but with having kids, there's a lot of organization in play. And especially as they get older and they're doing sports and there was a lot of juggling during COVID. Luckily, both of our um, moms are nearby and they were healthy enough to help out here and there if we needed some help, which was really great. So definitely organization and maybe a little time management. I feel like I'm the same way. My husband's always like, you are so disorganized yet organized. It's really strange. I'm, I'm both like, it's like chaotic mess, but there is order to my disorder. So I know it in my head, but going on. Yeah. Yeah. 
I got on my lap. My husband got on my laptop the other day. He goes, you have so many tabs open on your computer. I was like, babe, that is my head. That is my head. I was like, but they're all open for a reason. It's so I don't forget this. And I'm still working. Well, so on someone showed me this Google Chrome um, add-in called one tab. And it's amazing. So if you ever just want to close it all, download one tab and you can click on it and it'll log all of the tabs that you have open. You can like label it and it's in a thing. And so you can go back to it. And so if you just don't want your tabs open right now, you can do it. It's called one tab. And it's helped me a lot because I'm definitely that person where I get to like, you can't even read the the tabs anymore because they're so little. And I started to do that and grouping it. So I'll like open all these things I'm researching and then one tab it. And then go to the next thing. So it's a it's a great thing to download. And then my final question is: What is your number one survival tip for moms right now dealing with COVID, dealing with everything? Just what is your survival tip? Other moms, a community, talking and relying on each other. I think there's been so many group chats with other girlfriends of mine, and we're like, I think we lived on like funny memes the whole time, like quarantine. Started just the amount of funny memes we sent back and forth to each other, the silly things we were sharing that we were doing. You know, there was a couple mornings where, you know, I was like, well, my kids had s'mores for breakfast and that's fine. Or I'm like, you know, my youngest has just been wearing his underwear every day because we're not going anywhere. I'm like, that's less laundry. <laughs> um, and just relying on each other, you know. What I've really learned through my wellness journey is surrounding yourself with positive, inspiring people that. My family is very, very important to me, but having friends is a game changer to have another woman who's a mom to turn to, to be like, Hey, I get it. And they really do. And they understand that it's hard and they can laugh and cry and walk through life with you is something that I think a lot of women need to have in their lives. And I know it's hard. I mean, I kind of lost sight of that when I had my kids really little because you're so in the trenches, but it, it is possible. And it's, a, in my opinion, a big tier of self-care as well as just surrounding yourself with a community of like-minded people. So my other moms and my group chats got me through for sure. Aww. And on that note, community, what is your free community and where can we find you? Yeah. So you can just find me on Instagram at Emily Nichols or look up the show. It's the self-care isn't selfish podcast on any of your favorite streaming services. And you can just look that up on Facebook as well. I have a free community. Like I said, I hold a workshop every Thursday, just focused around whatever theme was on the show this week to help you all take action and find your own version of self-care. Well, thank you, Emily, so much for joining. Uh, there was so much great information and I loved having you on the show. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, Stephanie. I love what you're doing. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Mommy's on a Call. Your support means the absolute world to me. You can find the show notes for this episode and other goodies over at mommiesonacall.com. And if you enjoyed this episode or have gotten value from the podcast, I would be so grateful if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review so that we can reach and empower more moms all over the world together. Thank you so much again, Mommy Pod, and I will see you here next time.